0: Hi there, welcome to episode 12 of the 45 Not Out podcast, the podcast for sassy women aged 45 and over who haven't given up on life, work and everything else really. It's great to have you here and if you're a returning listener, doubly thank you. I hope you like what you're hearing. In this episode, I talked to Debbie Hayes. Debbie is a Northwest based coach and she specialises in working with women from all walks of life. Debbie's been dubbed the Queen of Clarity by her clients, and as you would expect from that title, Debbie's able to see positives in the worst of situations and uses that to help women move forward to better outcomes. She's also something of an expert on imposter syndrome and offers tips and advice on how to slay this monster that affects most of us, or at least to quieten it. Imposter syndrome's just one area she talks about. She also offers advice on what to do when you're stuck in a bit of a hole and can't see your way out. And generally, how to live a more positive life. My thanks go to Debbie for taking the time out to speak to me. And for freely giving her advice and wisdom. So here you go. I'm sure you'll find something that will help make these dark days a little brighter. Enjoy. Welcome Debbie. Thank you for being here. If ever there was a time where we needed your clarity, it's now. Um, Thanks for being here. It's great to have you as a guest. Thank you. (laughs) Now Debbie, if I could just launch straight in, if I may. You called you called the Queen of Clarity. Mm -hmm. Can
1: can you explain? Yes. (laughs) So this is a title that's actually um, been awarded to me really from my clients. Um, Because quite often people go, how do you get that from that? How can you just take that little bit of information? and see that actually that is the thing that is keeping me stuck. Or, um, you know, and I'm just really good at sort of zooming in to the real problem. Uh, And so I often say, you know, I, I don't tickle about at the edges or the symptoms. You know, I like to get to the root cause and really just help people to see where they're actually blocked. Because once people can see that, we can sort of see how we can clear that block and really get them to where they need to be and um yeah i just seem to have this intuitive sense through listening in many ways i think you know so it could just be that you hear a tone in somebody's voice or they'll be talking about something else but you just get a real sense that actually this isn't what's really going on and obviously once people can see that problem we can start to move through it and and also to give them really simple implementable either tools or action steps that they can take that will really sort of quickly move them forward. So yeah, just my, uh, yeah, my crown, if you like, was awarded to me. (laughs) Fabulous. Well, it's a
0: a fabulous um, crown to be awarded and and to sort of sit with as well. Yeah. So you mentioned sort of having a bit of an innate ability to sort of probably see solutions and and, Mm. and inbuilt problems that yeah. People um, might not see. Mm. Is that what drove you into coaching, or was there some other situation or, or experience that, you know, yeah. sort of pushed you into coaching?
1: It was something very different, but I think that experience um, helped me to start to um, appreciate that sort of gift, if you like. So, going back, oh goodness, 2008. Um, I was still working within the corporate market and at the time my son was only around sort of two coming up to three and unfortunately he was one of those babies that didn't understand what sleep was (laughs) so when he was um, about two and a half I, I just really burnt out because I used to get about two hours sleep a night but it was made up in like 10 minute blocks so It was really obviously really really stressful on my body and you know actually even if you're tortured you get more sleep than that amount of sleep (laughs) so um it was really because i got to this point of burnout and as much i was really good at managing situations and on the outside i don't think many people saw it and that was in itself frustrating because as much as i would say to people i'm absolutely exhausted because i looked fine on the outside it's almost as though I wasn't being heard. So, um, and one of the elements of that burnout was that I got recurring tonsillitis and I went down the traditional route of seeing my GP and as much as he was very pleasant, we weren't really moving forward with it. And so my, one of my very best friends from school had had some success with homeopathy with a son and she said, Debbie, why don't you just give it a try? because you know it's horrible to see you in this place so I just thought well what have I got to lose you know at least give it a try and just see what what happens and there was a very pinnacle point that I can still remember really clearly to this day where I walked out of that lady's house and I sat in my car and I remember just I can still see it now sat on the street in my car and thinking hmm that's interesting. She hasn't given me any of these little homeopathic pillules, as they call them. But I actually already feel so much better just for talking. And I thought, "Hmm, well, there's something in that. And it really sort of struck me. So I thought, well, I don't necessarily want to be a homeopath. And at the time, I was quite clear that I didn't want to be a counsellor, because I thought I don't want to go dredging up people's pasts. But I do really like the the, the concept of actually being able to talk to somebody and unlocking, um, you know, their perspective so they can move forward. So I just started to Google, as we all do now. (laughs) And um, after several hours, then I came across this um, questionnaire talking about um, coaching. And what really struck me was that there was three levels to this questionnaire. And when you got to level three, it said, so now you should have understood X, Y, and Z. And I thought, well, I understood all that at number one. I didn't need all these different layers of explanation. So I think that was the start of me recognizing actually how intuitive I am and how easy it is for me to read between the lines of things. And so a few more Google searches later, I found um, an introductory weekend uh, with the coaching academy and, um, you know, booked on. And within 20 minutes of me being sat in that room, I was like, oh, yes, this is for me. And what I realised was that <clears throat> in a sort of uneducated way, I've actually probably been a coach all my life. And I can have memories now, again, of... know being in a particular classroom at primary school and I can remember you know being that person that I would never tell somebody what to do but I would draw out of them how they could do things and at university again I was like the fourth tutor in a different in different roles I've had throughout work you know I've always sort of naturally taken on that role or with friends and things so I think it's always been part of me but it was that catalyst actually of being you know in that burnout that helped me to see i needed to do something different with my life and um you know i and not only did i sort of retrain and go on to change my career but you know that sort of pause if you like made me realize i was unhappy in my marriage and so you know it was a bit of an all-sweeping change and so i think as much as those periods of life aren't necessarily easy to live through what I've learned is that there's always magic that comes out of them you know and hopefully that will give people some inspiration if they're feeling like they're in that you know sort of darker times now actually there is there is always a gift within these situations if we can be still with it present with it and allow ourselves to sort of answer what I call soul whispers you know I think there's always that little voice that is asking us to answer it it's just that sometimes it's scary to listen to that and to honor it but I think in life what I've come to realize is that when we don't it bites us on the bum yeah
0: so you so you talk about the dark times Debbie do you think Mm. that we we put through the dark times to learn things or become aware of things I think so
1: um I that's my own experience anyway I think when we're in that situation it forces us to look inwards and to look for different solutions it's often you know again in sort of dark times it's made me look at things from a different perspective to to reach out research look at different things so if it wasn't necessarily for that burnout i probably would never have looked at homeopathy and the homeopathy was a stepping stone for me to go to coaching so i think and it helps us to bond i think so, you know when I've um, been in those situations myself that's probably when my deepest friendships have been formed because you share that vulnerability and likewise when somebody else is in that place and you're that person perhaps supporting them through that you know that's where your real friendships are formed isn't it mm, definitely because you really build that support up so I think there's there's a lot can come out of these situations um you know we just have to give ourselves that patience I think to to be able to sort of feel vulnerable to 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 reach out to people to to go and look for different solutions for things and there is a patience required that's what definitely I've learned is that I think when you're in that situation you want to run a mile from it you really do you just don't you don't want to be in it But actually being in it and giving yourself that presence and allowing yourself to feel those things and hear these soul whispers, then, you know, and we can start then to build the courage to move forward, you know, and we, and we do get through these things, you know, but it it is sort of really recognizing that strength in yourself to, to keep taking that one step. And even when you're feeling really vulnerable, I think something that's really come to me sort of in more recent years is, um, you know, that even when we're in that place of really dark vulnerability, it's to remind ourselves that actually, even though life might not be fantastic, we are actually okay. You know, and sometimes it's like, I'm okay in this moment, I'm okay this minute. And then sometimes moment by moment, minute by minute, hour by hour, day by day, we then realise, gosh, you no, know, I, I did get through that. I did get through that day. As tough as it was, I got through it and I'm okay. And then you learn how resilient we are, how much, you know, we can, um, how much burden, I guess, we can bear to a degree, you know, and we can get through all these things and also... I think for me now I just sort of think this is actually a really um, great opportunity for us as parents to actually show our children how to cope in these times because isn't that a gift
0: what having having the struggles that we've got now I think it's a gift to be able to
1: show our children how to get through these times
0: yeah yeah
1: because if we can do that haven't we imparted something really powerful to that next generation
0: yes yeah I suppose really it depends on the age of the child and, and whether mm-hmm. you know sort of whether their level of recognition because it will be really mm-hmm. young children that, that unfortunately this will, this way of living will be not you know sort of the really young mm-hmm. children this will be yeah. normal to them and it might be a huge mm-hmm. shock when we, we when we get back to normal but <laughs> no you're right it is it is and Well my experience as a parent is I think it's quite frightening and I don't know whether if you you might know the um, scientific side of this Debbie Mm -hmm. but it it frightens me that just how much subconsciously you do pass on to your children it's like my Mm. daughters one's gone into um, an industry sector where I I did a little bit of working when she was very small. I did freelancing Mm. and I would have given my eye teeth if my career had gone that way. Yeah. And then the other one's gone very much against the grain. I mean, she's got into dance. I'm not a dancer, but um, yeah, it's just and and so part of me thinks is like, oh God, you know, when two, three year old and I was flying around as a freelancer taking calls when she was mummy, mummy, you know, so yeah. um, things like that. So it's, it, I think it is very frightening what you subconsciously well, frightening mm-hmm. or probably something you need to be aware of that you do subconsciously transmit Mm. things onto your children even stuff that you didn't
1: Mm. consciously
0: want them you know so i think it's quite a responsibility isn't it
1: yeah because i mean as humans we pick up most of our sort of um automated patterns of thinking in those first eight years so for those children that are really small although they're not consciously aware of what's they're learning actually. If if we approach the situation in a very empowering way to them, then actually that's going to be their subconscious programming. Well, that's yes. huge, isn't it? That's a yes. great opportunity to, to, to impart to those children. Actually, you know, they're probably the most resilient people carried, won't they? <laughs> so. I think it's if we can turn it around and look at it in that way and think, gosh, you know, I, I am actually here at this time and I get to be the person that can show my my son or my daughter how to approach these situations. Because some people won't even have that opportunity, will they? No. No. Not at all. <clears throat> so if we can look at it in that way and actually, you know, start to acknowledge as well when we see our children you know behaving in a way that is you know very um empowered to to give them that recognition as well of actually how brilliant they're doing through this yes. um, and again reinforce to them you know how how great an approach it is that they're taking and you know i think it's teaching us all a lot about personal responsibility as well so if you, if you learn that as a way of being, that actually I will take personal responsibility for my own actions, that in itself I think is a huge behavior that will pay huge dividends going forward.
0: Absolutely, absolutely. Now you mentioned about dark times and, and the times that we're living under and being flexible and, and sort of taking responsibility for our mm. own behavior. But there, w- there will be people out there, Debbie, listening probably, who mm. are probably in quite dark places. Um, yeah. So if you were to give, say, somebody's really at rock bottom and they haven't got the motivation or the, the energy to sort of get even to the next step, not let alone get back to normal, what one tip would you give to them?
1: For me, I think it's really recognising about taking that control back. You know, you've got the reins of your life and reframing the situation and just focusing on the things that you can do. Okay? Yeah. Now, some days that might be as simple as, I think when you're in very dark times, something that I've noticed is that when... We're in dark times. Sometimes we don't even breathe properly. We can get quite shallow in our breathing. So, you know, to really be able to breathe more deeply and to give ourselves that presence. And then that can really start to soothe like the nervous system as well. And that doesn't cost anybody anything to give yourself that permission to breathe fully and deeply. But on a bigger level, you know, focus on all the things. I know there's a lot of restrictions in place, but also there's a lot of things that we are, we are able to do. And so one of the methods that I always often come back to is I love using the alphabet. I think it helps our brain to search for answers. So if I say, you know, focus on what you can do, it's quite a big statement. But if you were just to write the alphabet down on a piece of paper and go, okay, what A can I do? What B can I do? What C can I do? And you use the alphabet to help your brain to go and search for that answer. Now, you might get that instantaneously. You might get it when you're in the shower, when you're walking the dog, going for a drive, doing shopping. But you'll be surprised that perhaps over a week, you'll find that you'll probably be able to fill the alphabet, not only just with one thing in each of those letters, but you're probably on some of those letters, probably populate it with five six different things obviously q's and z's we have to get a bit creative with (laughs) you know but even then it could actually i could just be quiet you know and what's wrong with that you know i'm a sort of big believer of sort of observing nature as well and you just sort of think you know Nature's been around for a lot longer than we have, and I think it knows what it's doing. So, you know, this time of year, there's a lot of, like, letting go, and into winter, we're into that, you know, period of stillness. And I think, as a culture, we've got quite, um, I call it, like, addicted to being busy. And, you know, maybe this is an opportunity to just sort of rebalance some of that and go, actually, it's okay just to be still. You know, it's okay to be present. We don't have to be rushing around, zooming all over the place. And if we can give ourselves that gift of that stillness, well, what might come out of that? What might come out of you giving yourself that permission just to be still, just to listen to those soul whispers? And you're not going to know that till you give yourself the permission to do it.
0: Would you advise doing that on a daily basis then, Debbie, if somebody is struggling? Well, if any, all of us really, matter what what stage we're at.
1: I found personally that there is huge power in that. If you can really give yourself that presence, um, you can take it to a whole deeper level if you want, and you can really start to, you know, journal with that and ask different parts of you, you know, how are you feeling, so um one of the methods that i shared in the chapter of the book that i co-authored was around an exercise that i developed for myself and i called it me myself and i so me was where i would journal and i would talk to little me so little debbie so that's our subconscious part of us and um a better way to reach that part of you actually is to use your non-dominant hand because when you write with your non-dominant hand, you write in a more childlike way. And so sometimes I would, you know, journal and I'd say, okay, how how are you feeling about this little Debbie? Because actually there is that inner child within us, and sometimes that little child is very scared. But as then the adult, you can recognise that from a very different situation. And you can ask that little part of you, you know, what do you need, you know, and um, then um, the I is the, you know, my intuition. So I would ask, you know, my, so which I would say, like, you know, dear soul, you know, um, what advice can you give me today? What guidance? And so for this, I would use like a special pen. So for me, I used like a silver pen because I, I felt like if I was talking to my soul. It was quite precious. So, um, I would use a silver pen and then when I'd listen to the two parts of me the little me and my intuitive self I would look at myself as I am today the adult and go okay well now I've listened to this part of me and this part of me what do myself as today myself today how do what do I want to do with that information because I'm the action taker and then that really helped me to really connect with the different aspects of myself and see things very differently. It gave me a lot of understanding, perhaps why sometimes um, little Debbie, if you like, was almost what I call like left foot, left foot breaking. So as much as my adult self might want to move forward with something, if the inner part of me was in resistance to that because she was scared, then because the subconscious programming is so clever, it will just left break you and, you know, you'll hit the brakes and you can't get past that resistance until you look at it and you can go, it's okay, we've got this, you know, we're going to do this this, and this about it. And then it's like, oh, okay, (laughs) I can breathe. And it allows you to sort of move forward a bit. So that I think is a really powerful exercise. And I think the other part of this, um, A to Z, coming back to that piece as well, is to look at, what are all the things that you've always you know would love to do because i think when you can start to create a vision board out of this a to z and you've got a really strong compelling vision again that can be really huge and i think it's something that if ever you've read um victor frankl's book um man's search for meanings and he talks about his experience um, in auschwitz then the thing that he recognized there was that the people who survived had that compelling vision that compelling reason to go forward so again you know in these more still times if we can lean into that energy and use it You know, to go, right, what would I really love to do? What would I really like to do? And we can create that vision. We can start to build the plans and stuff behind it. We can start to give ourselves the time to connect with that energy. And then the other side of it as well is what are all those things that we keep meaning to do? You know, so whether it's like, for me, it was like, actually, I need to clear the loft out. But actually, there's a great opportunity now just to which to do it you know, and in this last six six months, uh, I've done tons of DIY. I'm sort of a bit DIYed out now, it's like I've had my fill, but you know, it's, um you know, but it is looking at all those things, it's like, you know, many people talk about, oh, you know, we really need to clean my inbox out, or, you know, I need to do all that shredding, or whatever it is, so why don't we lean into that, and actually do those things that we keep meaning to do, and, you know, I think when we do those things as well it actually helps to clear the energy doesn't it because yes. when we're actually doing some of those things we're clearing that energy and we're putting ourselves into a higher vibration so if we're you know we've got this sense of right these are the things I can do so now we've switched our focus we're not focusing on things we can't do we're focusing on things that we can do then we're looking at where we're going what's the vision where do we really want to go to right we start to build the energy of that oh and now we're going to release all the this sort of stagnant stuff that we keep meaning to do but when we've done it again how much more empowerment does that give you and again the house will feel clearer the energy is going to feel clearer and suddenly you're just in a better place you know so and from there the momentum keeps building and it just it does start to put you in a different lane i think
0: so it's just it's just taking that first step and probably baby steps from there on in nothing that would over, uh, overwhelm you or frighten you to death about doing just doing one cracking it and then yep. the tiny
1: s- step is, and that's often how the momentum builds so like my diy from from which I've done masses, all started from, oh, should we switch those two pieces of furniture around? <laughs> <laughs> and then from there, oh, should we paint that? And then it was like, it just, and it's almost like I just got the bug and I just couldn't stop myself. Yeah. And yeah. I'm really grateful for moving those two pieces of furniture <laughs> because now it's like, oh gosh, you know, it feels so amazing. And it's not necessarily that some of those things, um, were even at a particular vast cost because some of the things were because I'd already got paint you know it was only case of making the effort to get the the, the paint brush out and and also the other thing that came out of that was that there was um I think I don't know whether you're in this but we've got like um a local Facebook group here mm. where you can um if you've got things that you don't want and you think well you know I wouldn't say necessarily sell it but I don't want to just put it in the tip then you can put things in this group and just say, you know, does anybody want this? So actually it's been really nice that within that whole process as well, you know, you've helped somebody else because things that I no longer need, I know that actually somebody else has got some use out of, so that's quite just rewarding as well, actually mm-hmm. going through that process because it's just like, actually, yeah, that's me doing that has actually enabled somebody else to do something that they want to yeah. do. Yeah, I can see that. So those things
0: in themselves, tiny though they are, they all feed feed in and start that path to Mm. repairing, feeling better and getting you to where you need to be. Yeah. Now, one of the things about lockdown, Debbie, and we spoke about this before we started recording, is um, Mm. like the isolation. I mean, Mm. people are working from home and yeah, you can have Zoom calls and all the rest of it, but there's no real substitute for sort of sitting there being part of a team you know sort of discussing mm. projects maybe having a bit of a bit of banter you know a bit of downtime mm. that kind of thing and and that sort of brings into the isolation and one of the things that I'm thinking about really is particularly women they're not yeah. having that interaction with um with maybe bosses with, with workmates with friends mm family and and that feeds into sort of their idea of self worth and what i'm getting at mm. with this long way round but what i'm trying to get at is i think this this isolation will really catapult some areas of like imposter syndrome and lack of self confidence mm. and lack of self worth and yeah. and because well, from what you've just said, it's the small things that feed in, that sort of help you feel better about things. So mm. with imposter syndrome, it is, it's a massive um, area and sort of some people admit to it, some people don't, mm. but just from your aspect, Debbie, what would your advice be if, if somebody had really slipped down quite far in that field?
1: Mm. I think the first thing is just to recognize it's, you know, the roots of it are based in fear. And that sort of fear of, I'm not enough, and it creates that separation, which I think is why, (coughs) excuse me, this sense of isolation probably is contributing to that. So, again, it's sort of like refocusing on yourself, bringing it back to us recognising, well, what are our gifts, what are our talents, what are our values and our strengths, because... There'll be no no other person on this planet that has that combination of your experience your gifts your talents and that makes you unique in the world and you have a unique contribution to make and so if you're able to do some of the other exercises that i took before and you've got this really sense of deep connection with yourself that will make it far easier to have the connection you know with your worth and then when you understand your own worth more it, it really allows you to sort of like make that contribution because you can start to see the value in that so you know um and it's, it allows you to sort of put that fear down so is it the, sorry go on now the other thing i was just going to say on imposter syndrome is that perhaps when clients have brought this situation to me and they sort of go into this oh my goodness no i can't do this i haven't got the confidence and it's like okay so let's look at your worst piece but let's look at the other side of the coin as well and go okay what is it that you're seeing in these other people that you think at this point in time makes them better than you and then they'll describe to me okay well they do this and they do that and da 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 And then I reflect back to them that for them to be able to see those values and attributes in those people, it means that those very things are within them as well. Mm -hmm. And therefore, it's looking at those different ingredients, if you like, and then saying, ah, okay, if I see that in somebody else, how can I start to create that for myself? And... amount of times that people have seen actually the simplicity in that but it's almost that they've just cast this superiority if you like on these other people but when they've broken down the ingredients and actually they see it within themselves it's almost like it becomes a bit of a chuckle because it's like oh oh yeah actually I can do all those things I have those things as well I have the ability to do that even if it's not something I've necessarily done yet I can say I have the ability to learn and therefore once you've got that you know that again that just really allows you to move forward and um I think I'm going to use and come back to my favorite quote here because it's really pinnacle and something that really resonated me when I go right back to my um my my own sort of um challenges when my son was young um you know and having that burnout and there's a really powerful quote that comes back to until you value yourself you won't value your time and until you value your time you won't do anything with it fabulous so again it comes back to this we've each got to value ourselves you know, we're all unique. There isn't it for me. There's no competition. And when we can get rid of that sense of competition and go, do you know, I am a uniquely valuable in my own way. I bring my own experience. I bring my own perspective to the world. And therefore there is no competition. There's no, no imposter. I am uniquely valuable in what I have to say and what I can bring to the table. And when, you, and that doesn't come with arrogance, it's just recognition of yourself and really sort of valuing that. And then again, that helps you to devalue your, your your uniqueness. And I think when you can really hold on to that, it helps you to see actually, yeah, I do have a contribution. I, I am, I should speak up at this point. You know, I'm able to to share this because actually you could be doing somebody a disservice by not doing. And the other thing is that when when we step into that place we also create that permission for somebody else who might be in that place of thinking can i dare i yes you can yes please go and dare
0: (laughs) no absolutely sort of sisterhood you know sort of just being human exactly paving the way for somebody else that's fabulous fabulous quotes there debbie thank you for that and i've got stuff um Value from that and i'm sure everybody else listening has it's yeah. like brilliant thank you you're welcome now we, we mentioned debbie um, that just briefly sort of you you think we're in this situation to sort of take a step back well one one of the aspects of it one of the positives of yeah. the situation is to take, take a step back and sort of have a bit of time of reflection um, mm. and and um sort of use it for maybe to create a better world do do you think do you think it's a given that when we get back to normal it will be a better
1: world or i would hope it's a better world i mean my view is it'll certainly be different
0: Mm.
1: i don't think as a nation or even as a as a as a global um experience it could i don't think it could be the same And I almost feel that if it was the same, then we're going to be shoved right back in it. Because I do think that everything happens for a reason. So if things were to go back to where they were, I don't think we would have learned from this what we're supposed to. Whatever that be. And I think that will be individual for everybody. But, um... So therefore, I think the quicker we all look at what well, actually, what are we supposed to learn from this, and the and quicker we get out of it, if we each take our own responsibility in that. Yeah. Um, so, I would hope that if we use this as an opportunity in which to do the right thing in any given situation, and you know, i gosh, I mean, from what I've just said, actually, if each each person could stop and give themselves this time to recognize their own value not with arrogance but in a healthy balanced way you know just be comfortable with your own value and if you can recognize your gifts your talents if you're able to understand that worth if you can focus on other things that you really want to do actually would that not put us all in a better place
0: yeah people would be happier that'd be the the first benefit wouldn't it so and from that everything else would just
1: duplicate it's to be hoped well I think you start to really prioritize what's important in life and I think one of the benefits that's maybe come out of the of, of the situation is that recognition of those simple things in life that are hugely valuable like our friendships Like our ability to have that freedom so therefore when you can really have that sense of gratitude and appreciation of those things and I think that would be something else I would add into the mix actually in terms of how we get through this situation is to have that real sense of gratitude of everything that we do have you know sometimes that's as simple as oh gosh wasn't it wonderful to hear the birds singing you know and Gosh, are I lucky. You know, I've got running water. Parts of the world don't. Mm. You know, the sunshine. Oh, I've had lovely cuddle with the dog. You know, wasn't that lovely that somebody took the time to send me that message and say hello or whatever those things are. You know, I think if we can really have that sense of, of gratitude for those things, again, we can start to build upon that. And I think, you know, we shouldn't dismiss this, the um, value in the simplicity of those things, you know. And I think when we really start to understand, actually, that is the real treasure, isn't it?
0: Yeah. So you use a ta- definitely use the time to refocus and redis- so. rediscover. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah thank you debbie for that there's some amazing tips there as i say i would imagine what the information that you've kindly shared mean different things to different people but i defy anybody not not to sort of um get value from that thank you but i'm not letting you go just yet (laughs) (laughs) one of the signatures of my podcast and it's my podcast and it's super cheesy but (laughs) The things that come out with this bit, it's it's certainly one of the um, highlights of the podcast is, I asked my guests, as I say, super cheesy, if they could go back to their younger self when they joined the working world, whether that was graduation, whether that was at 16 after GCSEs or whatever. What three things, if you could go back to your younger self, what three Mm. things would you tell yourself?
1: Right. If I was to look at, and probably this has come out of my experiences and my journaling that I was talking about before, about actually talking to my little son, one of the things that I would really have encouraged myself at that time would be to dare to dream, dare to think what those things are. My childhood was a little bit more, you know, the My subconscious programming was a little bit more negative than that. It was, oh, well, you know, you don't perhaps want to do that. Don't even think about it. Who do you think you are to do that sort of thing? And so it would be to completely reverse all that and to go, no, dare to dream. Because I think when we can give energy to what we really want that vision to be. And actually, all the possibilities are there. But if we don't even have the vision, then we're never going to align ourselves to meet it. And so that would definitely be one of the things that I would have encouraged my little self would be that dare to dream, and probably why I'm passionate about, you know, bringing that sort of ethos to other people. And the other thing um, would be like, for me, and something again I'm hugely passionate about because I've perhaps learned myself, that, you know, by not doing this all the time, would be to really. Um, follow what lights you up what is that buzz I think if I look back at my career sometimes I took the practical approach the practical um route um and and really I think looking back I would really encourage myself to to follow the essence of what really lights you up, not when you buzz, you know, because I think when you start to get on that path, the energy of that carries you forward. It gives you the inspiration. You download what those actions are. And when we get in too much of a logical space, oh my God, the brain comes in, the overthinking comes in. And I just don't think you experience that same overthinking when you just can follow that energy of what truly lights you up. So that would be the second thing. And I think the third thing for me personally would be to honour my gift of my intuition. Um, I think perhaps because my ability to see as a young child, I perhaps didn't have the censorship of when to use it, shall we say. And so for a while, I sort of steered away from it because it sort of got me into trouble when I was younger because I would say what I saw and if it didn't fit people's um, aspirations, shall we say, (laughs) it, it didn't always go down well. But actually what I've learned is that, you know, that's my hugest gift to people and that's why people call me the Queen of Clarity. And so, again... Although I would say that to myself, it is really for the audience of actually, when you truly honour your gift, that's your your biggest contribution to the world. So, you know, the quicker we can honour those unique gifts, whatever they are in each other's, the better contribution we make to everybody else. You know, so even if you've been shouted down for those things early on, you know, actually, you know, embrace them and, and and use them i guess the thing i would say probably is is learn the censorship <laughs> if you, if you've got my gift i'm knowing you know when that is um is the right time to impart that and i think that obviously we, we learn that with age but but it would be to honor that and you know not hide it away
0: Fabulous, Debbie. Thank you. I mean, even though you're talking to your younger self, there are pearls of wisdom even within that that the rest of us can use. So, thank you Mm -hmm. so much, Debbie. Thank you for your time. It's been an absolute pleasure to have you as a
1: guest. No, welcome and thank you. Because I think you. you know, it's nice to be able to have this opportunity. That if somebody else can learn, even if I always think, no matter what, if you just even take one thing away from whether it be a podcast, a book, or whatever and you use and implement that, you're another step forward. Absolutely, absolutely. And I love to be able to make that contribution.
0: So thank you. Absolutely, Debbie. Thank you so much for being a guest. You're welcome. Thank you. So there you go. Damn good advice from Debbie on how to make life a little brighter And more bearable. As ever, my thanks go to Debbie for taking the time out to speak and also for how very honest she was about events in her own life that have been less than enjoyable. I hope that there's been something in the discussion that resonated with you and you can incorporate into your own life and make it a bit brighter. However, if you're really struggling, don't struggle alone. In the UK, the Samaritans are available 24-7 on 0116 123. There are other ways of contacting them too, including a downloadable app. And I'll put links to their website on the episode notes. So, all that remains for me to say is thank you for staying the course and to wish you all health, safety and happiness in these most trying of times. Till next time, take care.